chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3. If you are able to stand, let's go ahead and stand in honor of God's word. Galatians chapter 3, I'll read verses 1 through 5. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth? before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain? If it be yet in vain... He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Uh, When we read all these questions, I think it's important you understand, these are redundant questions to the Galatians. Now, I am going to explain some of these to us. But Paul asked these questions with the understanding that they already knew the answer. He wasn't saying, so what? What do you think? No. He was reminding them through good questions. So, that, by the way, it's because they've been deceived. And they needed reminded. So we're going to go ahead and pray here and... Have a special. Father, may you bless the message this evening. May you minister to our hearts through song. And may the word of God speak to us as we study it. May we each individually receive the application we need. And may we all understand the interpretation. And may it result in the strengthening of our faith, in a better understanding of gospel truth, and bringing glory to you. We love you. We're thankful you've brought us together tonight. And we pray the Holy Spirit would work in our hearts as we continue on in this service. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Three again while I'm hooking this up. So, Paul has spent the first two chapters... uh, giving personal testimony, and he is mindful of uh, some of the, I will say, heresy that's being taught in the churches in Galatia. That's why he's writing the letter. Now, he personally ministered here. The Apostle Paul, no doubt, would know some of the people that he's writing to. Uh, He was personally involved in reaching them with the gospel. One of the last verses in the book of Galatians, he mentions that he's aware that they loved him. In spite of his eye condition, he apparently had something about his countenance and his eyes that it was difficult for him to see. And he said that he felt as though they would have given their eyes for him. Kind of hyperbolic statement, but nevertheless, he testifying that he knew they loved him, and he's grateful for all that's transpired. 
But he's very, very burdened because no doubt he worked hard. He suffered to reach them with the gospel, and he knew that they suffered. And that'll be mentioned, that was mentioned in one of the passages we just read. They went through some suffering to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether it was being disowned by family members, whether it was losing a job because of their newfound faith in this Jesus of Nazareth, I'm not sure all the details, all I know is it's clear they suffered, and Paul is mindful of it. So, he wants to clear this up, and just to uh, summarize to all of you the issue at hand. The issue at hand is that a works salvation doctrine has been propagated in these churches. That is, they have incorporated uh, Hebrew laws to be added with the faith. And either the thinking was, we need to do this to be more sanctified, and it'll set us apart, making us more Jewish. Or we need to do this strictly to be saved. And that's dangerous. There are numerous uh, ministries throughout the country, let alone the world, that go by the name of Christian. But in their constitution and in their teaching, if you pay attention at all, and maybe some of you have come out of them, you'll discover that they expect you to do, 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 and then, of course, believe in Jesus. And then you'll be saved, or you could be saved, as long as you do, 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 and believe in Jesus. Everybody with me? And so, <clears throat> I know that to be wrong. You ought to know that to be wrong. We're here together to learn the Word of God to give complete clarity why that's not just wrong, but to believe that my works, my works have anything to do with my salvation. And I know for those of you who have been attending may think you're sounding like a broken record. Oh, I'm being deliberate. If I believe that my works have anything to do with my salvation, then I am saying, in a sense, the blood of Jesus Christ is not sufficient to pay for all my sins. I am saying that when Jesus said it is finished, it really wasn't. Hello. I am making light of the work of Christ. But not only that, I'm exalting myself. Now I've read about a guy that exalted himself, if you want to call him a guy. And he got kicked out of heaven. And he's running around right now trying to stir everybody else up to exalt themselves above God. And if you have a King James Bible, his name's Lucifer. Now, Paul deals with this issue, and now he, when he gets to verse 1 here, he calls them out. He just calls them out. 
And he's going to deal with this issue, at least initially, um, by dealing with origins. Origins. First of all, he's going to deal with the origin of the Galatians, uh, the origins of the gospel received by the Galatians. That's what he's going to deal with. The origins of the gospel received by the Galatians. And then he's going to, he's going to talk about the origins of the gospel received by Abraham. Now that's significant. Because uh, Abraham, he's like the, the father of what people? Well, what people? Well, faith. What people? People. I, I want to... Hebrews. You said Hebrews, right? Or Jews. Okay. Yes, I know the scriptures. I know what it says here. But, here's why I say this. The people who have influenced the churches of Galatia are Hebrews. They're Jews. And they're the ones who have influenced them to add works to salvation. They're Jews. And so apparently these churches in Galatia think, you know, if we're really going to line up, we've got to be more Jewish. Because that's where it all started. They're, that's God's people, and that's where it all started. And so uh, Paul has to deal with this, and so he deals with the origins of the Hebrew people too, which is Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. That will make me dizzy if I did that right now. So <clears throat> what I want to do is go through this verse by verse. We may only get to verse 5 this evening. That'll be fine, though. <clears throat> so, once again, O foolish Galatians. When you read the word foolish, it's basically unwise. You're not, you're not smart. He's not necessarily saying ignorant. But you who are doing something very unwise, now we, the word foolish, it cuts to the chase. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? The word bewitched there has the idea of deception. Deception, or to turn from the truth. Bewitched. That ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth. The word, the statement set forth, has the idea of a placard, a picture a sign that has been put in front of you. So what Paul's saying to the churches of Galatia, not that they visibly saw Christ crucified, but in word picture through the Paul's preaching, Jesus Christ crucified was set forth. Are you with me? They knew Jesus Christ, God in flesh, was crucified. Also, a virgin-born man, Crucif was crucified for us, for them. They knew that. Okay, so we move on here. Uh, by the way, uh, just maybe I should have said this at the outset, but I'm, I'm going without notes right now. Um, <clears throat> any one of us in this room can be deceived. And it's very possible at times in our life we have been deceived. Whether you want to admit it or not. And there's a right way to help people out of deception. Some, the reality is God has to open their eyes, but you and I can reveal truth. 
I love what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, verse 24. Um, He says, The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance unto the acknowledgement of the truth, and watch this, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. See, Paul says, listen, when you see a brother or sister in error, ye which are spiritual, restore such in one in the spirit of meekness. By the way, that's in Galatians here. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Now he says, listen, you inevitably aren't going to be the one that changes them, but God can use you to, be, to present truth, to show love, but present truth. And I love what Paul does, and this is good parenting too. There's something about asking good questions, ladies and gentlemen. There's just something, because what do questions do? Questions make people think. Questions engage the mind. When you're asked questions, you're thinking, okay, even if it's an obvious answer, who was the first president? Okay. You know, uh, it still engages the brain. And Paul is engaging their minds because he wants them to think, and he wants them to think about their origins of faith. Where, what brought them into this thing called Christianity? What did they do? They were heathen. They were Gauls. They, were, they, they, they didn't know the Hebrew God. And now they know Jesus. So Paul goes on. After calling them out, you're very unwise. Though Christ has been set before you crucified. He, by the way, who hath bewitched you, he says. You know, there's, there is always a source to the deception. Hello? You know, you send your kid to school and, and uh, maybe they've, you've never heard them cuss, you've never heard them say bad word or anything like that, and then they come home from school and all of a sudden, there's some things coming out of their mouth that hadn't been coming out of their mouth before. And by the way, they get that from TV too. But there's always a source, Now I'm not saying that's not in all of us, okay, but there's a source. When someone has gone from doing what is right to doing what is wrong, there's an influence. There is an influence. And Paul says, I want you to think about who has influenced you. He says, who hath bewitched you? Think about it. Why? Because once you discover who's deceived you, you can red flag them. Hello? And I'm not saying you're hateful to them. But you at least know, don't believe that doctrine. I know where it brought me last time. And by the way, the devil comes as an angel of light. And uh, he's very crafty at drawing people away subtly. Very crafty. And he's trying to do it to the Galatians through these so-called intelligentsia Jews who believe in Jesus, they won't discredit the work of Christ, but they're adding too much merit to their own works, and as a result, 
they are nullifying the blood of Jesus Christ and exalting themselves. Number two, verse two, this only what I learn of you, says Paul. Again, these questions are not questions that they do not have an answer for. They understand the question. This only what I learn of you, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now, ladies and gentlemen, I believe they knew the answer, but I believe for all of us in this room, I need to convince you absolutely scripturally that you received the Spirit of God by faith, not the works of the law. So we're going to do a Bible study. You ready? Turn over to Romans 8, verse 9. Romans 8, verse 9. Uh, Keep Galatians marked, if you will. Received ye the Spirit. That was a reference to the Spirit of God. Received ye the Spirit by the by the works of the law or by faith. Well, notice this. Romans 8, verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, says Paul, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, pay attention to this. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is what? Uh, that means he's lost. Hello. That means he's not saved. That means he's not heaven bound. That means he's not a child of God. If the Spirit of God does not abide in him, he is unsaved. Two groups of people in the world, don't forget it. Saints and ain'ts. And if the Spirit of God is not in you, you're an ain't. Doesn't mean that you can't be a saint. Provision's been made. But the Spirit of God must be in you now. Well, well, when did I receive the Spirit? Oh, good question. In John chapter 1, verse 12, the Bible says, To as many as received Him, Jesus, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, children of God, for those of you that are ladies. When you receive Christ, what is that power? He gave us power. The Holy Spirit. Turn over to John chapter 3 now. John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Of course, the Lord Jesus is talking to Nicodemus here. There's so much doctrine here. It's just unbelievable, awesome. It, it is believable, but it's, uh, it could, we could spend a lot of time here. John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus is talking to a very wealthy, uh, reputable, religious man. In the world's eyes, we would say he's a good man. Nicodemus is a good man in the world's eyes. But good men in the world's eyes, without Christ, are still lost and on their way to hell. And Jesus cares about this man. Apparently this man wanted an interview. He wanted to meet Jesus, but they met at nighttime. Tells you a little bit about it. He's a little ashamed. Uh, Before you look down on old Nicodemus, there may have been a day in your life where you were a little bit ashamed. Hello? And so, but he's inquiring. He's at least seeking. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, his very first words to Nicodemus, verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Oh, that was an earful for old Nicodemus, and it's an earful for most of the world here. Born again, what does that mean? Well, initially, it's real simple. Uh, Your first birth isn't cutting it. First birth isn't cutting it. 
Yes, Monday, we laid to rest Rick Salvatore's body. He was born in November of 1954, November 21st, if I get it right. He had filled out a funeral questionnaire that I had available years ago in the church, and I need to get those things back out. His wife, Julia, gave it to me, and I looked on it, and it said, Salvation Date. It said November 1980. And it was a blessing to be able to share those who were present to say, you know what we see here? Rick was born physically into this world November 21st, 1954. But glory to God in the highest, November 1980, he was born again into another family. And he shall never perish because of that. Because if you're only born once, you'll die twice. But if you're born twice, you'll only die once. Now we read on here. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Don't get hung up. That's not talking about baptism. Let's read on and let the Bible interpret itself. That which is born of the what? Flesh. Ah, is what? That's right. And that which is born of the Spirit is? Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. So now we understand this. Okay, this idea of work salvation, it gets you nowhere. You've got to be born again. Now, of course, when a man's born into the, this world physically, he has to break the water from what, what I hear, right? But I believe there's another kind of water called the Scripture. The washing of the water by the Word. But I move on here. Verse 8, Jesus says, The wind bloweth where it listeth. Now he's talking about the work of the Spirit. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Now wait a minute. How did we get over here to John chapter 3? Well, we were talking about what Paul asked the Galatians in Galatians chapter 3, verse 2. He said, Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by faith? I say to you, it was by faith. I'm going to prove it to you here. It wasn't by the works of the law, because that's flesh. Because if you're working it for it, you're putting your flesh into it. You're depending on your flesh. And Galatians 2.16, along with Romans chapter, I think it's chapter 4, tells us, um, uh, <clears throat> By the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. It just flat out says it. No flesh shall be justified by the works of the law. And so I move on here. Uh, verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel? And knowest not these things. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and you receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and you believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? So there's a whole sermon there, but i got to move on. Verse 13, And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in, is in heaven. And here's where I wanted to get. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And then we go into that great passage about, For God so loved the world. And, of course, verse 15 tells us that whoever believes on the Son of Man hath everlasting life. Now hold the coffee and let me tell you the story. I know you've been there before, but let's rewind. I've watched some movies 
movies twice before, and I've enjoyed them the second time as well. So let me share this with you, okay? So here we go. Mo, uh, Jesus just gives a story, gives a likeness to, to uh, Nicodemus. He's talking about salvation, right? Talking about the new birth, okay? And he's making a distinction between the birth of the Spirit and the birth of the flesh. Nicodemus is still struggling, so Jesus says, let me simplify. You're such an educated man. Let me simplify this with a story that you're very familiar, a true story. It took place hundreds of years ago with Moses and the children of Israel out in the wilderness. Remember, there were lots of snakes uh, slithering around, and they were deadly, poisonous snakes, and people were getting bit, and people were dying. And all of a sudden, people come to themselves, because people come to themselves when they start hurting, and they sought the Lord God, and they, they sought Moses. And here's what they did. They said, we have sinned, Moses. It's in Numbers chapter 21. If you've got to check me out, I've been there enough, I can tell you the story. But uh, <coughs> he says, uh, they say to Moses, we have sinned, and it's always a good thing to go to God if you've sinned and acknowledge that and, and just get that thing right and tell, tell God we've sinned. And then they said this, tell Moses to pray the Lord to remove the serpents, to remove the serpents. Some of you are familiar with this. I've talked about it once or twice. And so Moses goes to God because I'm sure Moses doesn't care about rattlesnakes and serpents either. So Moses goes to God and says, oh God, would you remove these, people, these serpents? God says, uh, nothing doing Moses, but if you make this brass serpent, put it on a pole, put it in the middle of the congregation there, hold it up high, tell the people when they get bit, if they look on that brass serpent, they will live. Pause. Hold the coffee. Think about this. Does it take works to look and live, or does it take faith? I mean, it absolutely takes faith, because that makes no sense to modern science. Yes, uh, we've discovered that if you look into brass, it will remove the venomous sting from your body. We have learned this through science. You know what I say to that? Oscar Meyer Wiener. Bologna. That's what I say. And when it don't make sense, all you can do is exercise faith. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. I was getting into it there. I probably could have rolled with it. So, man, that'll throw you off, won't it? All right, so, uh, <coughs> faith. So Jesus tells Nicodemus, uh, you got to be born again. And then he kind of brings it down to this point where he says, you know, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must I be lifted up. And, uh, you know, those who believe, that's like faith, they'll have everlasting life. And according to scriptures, when you believe in the Bible sense, that is put dependence in, Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. Not just a little bit of Him, all of Him. All of Him. Romans 8, 9, remember Romans 8, 9, if he's not in you, you're none of his. So how did he get in you? He got in you when you called on Christ, when you rested in Christ. Oh, I didn't know he came in. Oh, well, he did. As a matter of fact, Romans 8, 16 will give you a little bitty evidence. Romans 8, 16 says, the Spirit, capital S, God's Spirit, bears witness with our spirit, little less, 
that we are the sons of God. That's Romans 8, 16. You remember when you got saved? Do you remember thinking in your heart or mind? Wow. I'm not going to hell. Remember that light bulb? You know who put that light bulb in there? You know who gave you that assurance? That was the Spirit of God. You didn't even need to read it. You, didn't, you may not have known about the Holy Spirit of God. But he did it anyways because he does a lot of things we don't know about. And I'm glad he does. I'm thankful that all I had to do was put simple faith in Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God came in me to dwell. And he's not leaving until, resur- until I die and am resurrected. He stays with me the whole time. I'm glad because uh, if he wasn't here, I wouldn't have a chance. I would flounder against the wiles of the devil. I would flounder against the temptations in this world. I would self-destruct, and you would too, if it wasn't for the Spirit of God abiding in us. Paul says, hey, Galatians, hey, uh, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law? Did you have to do this and do that and do this and do that to receive the Holy Spirit? You remember the affirmation you received in your heart about salvation? You remember the works, the significance, uh, the change, the new birth? You remember witnessing people that were just nuts, crazy, and the transformation because of the work of the Holy Spirit? You remember that? Did that take place by faith or works? See, these Hebrew, these Judaizers, what they're called, these work salvation dudes, they didn't show up till long after these guys had received Christ. And so Paul's triggering their mind, think back, think back, think back. The Spirit was in you long before you knew a lot of things. By faith, we go back to Galatians. There's other verses I could have taken you to. Back to Galatians. Titus 3, 5 would have been a good verse to look at. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. What is that all about? That's a twofold work of the Holy Spirit when you get saved. The washing of regeneration, that means He comes in you. And He renews you. And the renewal process is helped along as you hear the truth of God's Scripture. It's helped along. Jesus said about the Spirit of God, He's the Spirit of truth. And He'll guide you into all truth. So when the Word of God is being taught, the Spirit of God is saying, That's right. And you know it. All right, we move on here. Look at verse 3. Got a moment. Are you so foolish, having begun, there's origins, having begun in the Spirit? You saw the progress in your own Christian lives. You saw the love for one another. You saw the, uh, the uh, uh, initiative that took place in getting the gospel out. You saw the, tra- the moral transportation, tra- transportation, transformation in your life. You, you witnessed this. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Well, they know. They're not made perfect by their flesh. By their Get your, Pick yourself up by your bootstraps and take care of yourself and do right. Turn a new leaf and all that. I mean, that all sounds good, but I need Christ. 
That all sounds worldly wise, but the reality is Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And you want to try to do it in your flesh, you go ahead and flounder. And Paul is reminding them the progress that has been made in your life has been a result of the work of the Spirit. Don't start putting your dependence in your flesh now. Keep it in the Lord. Verse 4. Have you suffered so many things in vain? Once again, I don't know what they have suffered. I don't know what they've went through. But some of them paid a deep price to identify as a Christian. To get back, to testify that they believed in Jesus and to be baptized and to assemble with God's people, they paid a price. Paul says, if you go back to, if you go to your back to works, if you go back or if you start putting your faith in the flesh, it's not much difference than what you were before. You had your confidence in your flesh before. And all the suffering you've went through, it's, it's vain. It's wasted because you're going to lose your testimony. Are you with me? That's what he's saying here. If it be in vain, he said. That is, if you've Completely go this direction. Verse 5. He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So, uh, Schofield leads you to a couple examples in the book of Acts. One was with Peter, where he, uh, <coughs> he arrives at the revival that Philip had been preaching in Samaria, and um, they, they received the Spirit of God. There's evidence of the Holy Spirit working in their lives, and basically Peter as an apostle is saying, yeah, this is legitimate. These people have a genuine, genuine faith, and then you got that guy named uh, Simon the sorcerer, and he, he sees what's taking place, and he says, Peter, hey, uh, Hey, how do I get that power? Some of you remember that story? Okay, anyways. And Peter says, uh, uh, wrong motive. Hit the road, Jack. Now, he says some other things, but uh, uh, puts him in his place because it can't be bought. The power of God cannot be bought. It's a matter of faith, a matter of faith in Jesus Christ. And then we see Paul in Acts chapter 19. He visits these uh, disciples of John. I think it's... I think they're in Ephesus. And uh, he says, have you received the Spirit since you, the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, we've not heard, heard of the Holy, whether there be any Holy Spirit. And then the Bible says he preached unto them Jesus, and they believed, and the Holy Spirit became evident in their lives. So, uh, Schofield kind of references those, and some of the commentators that I read did that as well. So the question Paul presents to the Galatians, because Paul was the minister, their minister, their original minister, and by the way, he was an apostle, so miracles, uh, the apostles were given the gift of miracles. Oh, you all understand that, right? Yeah. 
I mean, some amazing things took place that threw them to validate their message. And so Paul, I read it again, He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh the miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. The things that took place in your lives, did they take place because of the law or because of faith in Jesus Christ? That's the reference. Your faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So that's what's being clarified here. For time's sake, I'm not going to go into verses 6 through 9 because I want to give it more time. I don't want to feel rushed. But we see the origins of the Hebrews here in Abraham. (laughs) Set the record straight with O Abraham. Because all the Jews look back to Abraham. And Paul says, okay, those fellas, and I'll just give this to you and you can browse it later. But Paul says, yeah, those fellas that uh, you're listening to, that source, well, let me tell you about their origin. And how they have erred, not Abraham. So anyways. All right. Lord, we love you and thank you for this evening. We pray that you bless our service and our Bible study and pray that you'd help your people, encourage them in the Word of God. We're thankful to be able to share prayer requests with one another and to encourage one another. And Lord, I do ask that you administer to each and every heart. I know that you are able to speak to people in a way that they need to hear. And I pray, Father, that... uh, all would respond to your message. With every head bowed, every eye closed, let me ask this question. Maybe there is somebody here who'd say, Preacher, I don't know that I'll go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell, but I'm not sure I'll go to heaven. And I'd ask you to pray for me. If you would lift your hand, I'll pray for you. Is there anyone like that at this time that would say, that's me, pray for me. I am not certain I'll go to heaven but I don't want to go to hell. Pray for me. Would you lift your hand so I can see it? All right. Let me ask this. Maybe there's others here who'd say, Preacher, the Lord spoke to my heart. And in my heart, I know I need to make some decisions. And I just ask for prayer. If you'd lift your hand, I'll pray for you. Is there anyone like that at this time? All right. God bless you. God bless you. All right. Father, bless those that have raised their hands. Encourage them. May you bless our invitation time. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Brian.